Good afternoon, good evening, good metal. My name's Coop and welcome to the Spoken Metal Show. This is an episode uh, waiting to uh, quite a while to speak to Aiden, mainly because he's he's super busy, but also because just to catch up, these uh, these sorts of podcasts were always meant to be a catch up with friends and people and you as well. And, and, and Aiden's a perfect example of that. A superb drummer in several bands, uh, Passengers, Ascari, Prometheum, Blankets. I'll put links up on on uh, the the pod when it go, when it goes up as well. But a fantastic drummer, and uh, but as a human being, is just a superb human being. We go into quite a, a lot of detail about what his uh, illness that he had and and overcoming that and his kind of whole journey along the way all with a backdrop of playing the drums this is very much a drumming episode so if you're a drumming you might enjoy this but i think if you're a, anybody a musician even a non-musician you'll enjoy this episode as well because we delve deep into you know music and its actual effect on you uh you, you know your, your own personal well-being and your life journey if you will without sounding too grandiose um so without, without further ado let's let's get straight into it this is the the, the fabulous uh aiden baldwin it has been a long time since I've spoke to my last, uh, last this, well, this guest now, the, the last time I spoke to, to this gentleman was a while back. We talked online and I've watched uh, with, with Envy how he's progressed through uh, into some fantastic musical achievements. It seemed only right now uh, that I, I pin him down because he's a very busy man um, and doing some fantastic, the, the, the last stuff I've seen him doing is just superb and we'll get into that as well. Um, I've known him, I don't know, now we're up to 10, something like that, years. ridiculous oh, easy, man. time, something like that. Lo- lo- even longer, man, yeah. It, maybe, yeah. Um, but it, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's it's Aidan Bourne, and, and he's on the show, finally. Uh, how are <laughs> Hello. you doing, sir? Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. Good, yeah. Good to catch up. Isn't it? Um, first, I, like, first time doing this kind of thing as well, so. Yeah, Aidan's far too cool for podcasts and fucking <laughs> talking about shit and, and interviews. He's like, a, he's essentially metal, Metal's Neil Peart who doesn't do anything with the fa- <laughs> anything like that shit. He's an enigma. Neil, <laughs> like Neil Peart's an enigma, but it's just because he's busy. Uh, I was yeah. looking at some of the stuff that you were doing recently, and we'll get into this, obviously, with, with blankets yeah. and uh, superb stuff. Just, mm-hmm. super, just great playing. Aiden, um, I'll put a whole bunch of links on 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 the, when the show goes live. But Aiden's always cool. been just a great heavy player, just a really yeah, good heavy player. And I would suggest, as I will continually throughout this podcast, to check out all of the stuff he and the work he's done. Um, I see you keeping very busy, then, mate. Yeah, trying, mate, trying. Um, obviously, it's part and parcel of what comes with me. But um, mm. I'm currently. I guess I'm probably in three active bands right now, so... Well, you're a drummer, so you've yeah, got man, yeah. six, seven bands, haven't you? Yeah, there's a, there's a meme that floats around online where um, it's like a... I think it's a cat hiding behind a wall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's like two, dogs, two dogs searching. Yeah. Drummer already in three bands and then seven other bands are wanting him, so... Well, it's like we were saying just off, off, off air then, we're talking to, like, John Badger, and I was saying, you're, like, in, like, ten bands, mate. It's it's one of those weird things, isn't it? Because I don't know how he does that. Because the drums are like, I don't, I don't want to say inaccessible, but they've certainly got a little bit more kind of hurdles to jump over to get into it as an instrument. There's less oh, people yeah, yeah. doing it. Like you know, drums yeah. you have to carry, you have to practice, and it's dead loud. And mm-hmm. there's lots of kind of things to dissuade you. You really have to want to play the drums, don't you? you know? Oh yeah, man. It's it's been I've I've been doing it for 25 years now. Yeah. At the ripe old age of thirty-five, I am. <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, 
yeah, it's, it's been one of them that's. I had periods where I couldn't play because of illness and stuff, and mm. I really, I really felt that kind of withdrawal from it for a long, yeah. long time. Yeah. And then when when I was able to get back to it, it's it's like a like getting a voice back. Do you know what I mean? That's what I yeah. It's like it's like your voice. It's your it's your yeah, man, yeah. card. It's a, it's a, it's being, your speech in it. Yeah. Yeah, being like being in the northwest as well. There is, I think, there is only like. Um, I'd say a handful. That there's seven. Sort of there's seven metal drummers in the north. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, seems, it seems to be like a really small pool that people go to mm. to see if they can find this drummer. And yeah, somehow yeah. I've ended up in. At one point, I was in four, but one of the, one of the bands is sort of inactive now. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's fun for me. It's what I love doing, and uh, yeah, it's some exciting things happening. So. Do you, do you remember the first time you you hear music? Then you cast your mind back then to the first sort of music you hear. I have this conversation a bit with like loads of different people because I think people who aren't involved in music and sort of never been in the industry at all, they don't really understand the mindset of musicians. Mm. So we have this conversation, and they're like, "Who got you into music?" Yeah. And it was literally like when I was like five year old, getting a Michael Jackson vinyl. Right, and I can like when I talk about, it, I can still like remember the smell yeah. of opening the vinyl yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. And then which on that, it was, was it? which 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 uh, album was it? Well, we got Bad and Thriller at the same right. time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was like a baptism. Yeah. Um, and then obviously from them, you've got songs that featured Slash and Eddie Van Halen. Right. So then I discovered Guns and Roses and Van Halen, and then it's just. You're opening up a, a kind it's of worm. It's interesting. There, so. A lot of like sort of people that I talk to do talk about Michael Jackson being kind of one of the first sort of things when you realise music was a big thing. Like there was production oh, yeah. behind it and and what have yeah. you. And it's interesting that you mention the likes of Eddie and uh, and Slash because they were yeah. purposely brought in to uh-huh. cross over. You know, because that yeah. was R and B and the, the the Quincy Jones was was kind of doing, and he was like, well. There's a whole audience out there of, uh, mm-hmm. of teenage boys and we need to cross over to them. We need to kind of reach yeah. and show them and get this music and involved with them. And so, like, you know, the, he, I, I, it's good. The, the, apparently, the, the story goes that literally was like, who's the best guitar player in the world? And, and they were like, it's Eddie Van Halen. It was like, right, get Eddie yeah. Van Halen. And then yeah. Eddie Van Halen comes and does the beat it solo <laughs> and, and just basically plays everything, just plays every yeah. Eddie Van Halenism in it. But it's, yeah. it's also interesting that, that Slash kind of comes up as well um what was that what was the song was it giving to me i think it was called yeah giving to me that's it yeah and i remember like slash is like kind of shirtless as is slash with 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 the hair and the les paul and and jacko's next to him and the the wind machine's going and i just thought that's a fucking rock star that is yeah man yeah is that what you kind of saw you kind of saw those images and you were like fuck that's rock and roll i I don't know if i can pinpoint the moment where i was just kind of like I've never been sort of enamoured with being super famous or anything like that. Yeah. It's more, it's more the fact that hearing drums and hearing rhythm and beats mm. has always done something to me. I mean, I appreciate ah, like yeah, good singers. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate good singers. Uh, I appreciate mm. amazing guitarists. I envy them to some, to some degree because yeah. I wish I could do that. But um, yeah, the beats and rhythms and, and all mm. that kind of side of things has always just been... I listen to music and all I hear is drums. I don't hear someone shouting or someone doing like a, a crunchy riff. It's just yeah. drums. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's what it's what sings to you. What like rings yeah, a bell inside, as as Freddie Mercury once said. You know, it's yeah, it's it's when you go and listen to those like 
Jackson records and, and the stuff he was doing with Quincy Jones, you realise mm-hmm. how impressive the rhythms that were going on oh, there yeah. were. You know, um, you know, you think of some of the stuff that um, that was going on rhythmically there was was way ahead of of, of stuff mm-hmm. that was going on, and it kind of introduced a whole sort of uh, crossover rhythm in, in, into pop as well. Did you yeah. kind of? Go from there. You found Guns and Roses from then, so you were like kind of Appetite for Destruction era. Are, are we looking well, at? Would you mention since It's weird. It, it tuned me into drums, mm. um, hearing all that kind of thing. Like Bad and Thriller between those two albums, there's probably about eight or nine different drummers on those albums. Yeah, yeah. Well, session music. Yeah, yeah. His, his live drummer was always like Sugarfoot and always has yeah. been. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in this day and age, it's probably not the most technically wondrous thing to watch, but from being a young kid, hearing it for the first time, and then mo- quickly moving on to someone like Alex Van Halen. Yes. After looking yeah. into Eddie Van Halen, it was just like, what? Like, hot for teacher. Yeah, the opener and, and hot um, for teacher, yeah, yeah. Man, like, I was just like, what the hell? But mm. then, by the time I was, like, probably about eight or nine, for some reason, I'd, got, I'd gotten interested in, like, marching drums. Right. And wanting to be a Marines drummer, you know, with a big... Yeah, big black, yeah, big black yeah, fairy yeah, hoods yeah. and the, the marching snares. Yeah. Um, so then I swayed more towards that for a while, um, and then there was just a, a sort of gradual progression through the first year or so of high school. I ended up moving towns, like I grew up in Burnley, then moved up here to Morecambe. Mm. Started school, and there was a local band like looking for a drummer, and at that point, I don't think I'd touched a, a drum kit for longer than like an hour. Yeah, um, they were auditioning, so we literally went and bought a drum kit. I went for an audition, got this part, and then I don't think I've never not been in a band since. Wow, it's I, crazy. I, I always find it interesting about the drums that originally you talk about marching bands. Do, 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 I, it's my it's my understanding that originally it was the the various parts of a drum kit were all played yeah. individually, and then eventually yeah, they brought it into being a, 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 a whatever four or five piece kit. But they all were like, yeah, we're all kind of separate parts, weren't they? And then, mm-hmm. so they kind of to move to um, to to being the four and four that you re- that we recognise now was kind of like yeah. pulling all these like sort of strands, so one person could be the yeah. rhythm section, you know. And I always thought that that was fascinating, and there's always seems to be that that kind of connection, certainly with metal drummers, I've found and the heavier drummers, mm-hmm. they enjoy the um, kind of the. Uh, the marching band type of thing that's powerful it's a, it's discipline discipline yeah discipline yeah, yeah you know not for nothing that is that is that when but what uh, like sort of armies went to war they had a drummer you know what yeah, i mean yeah, this yeah. was this yeah. like you know for, for ladies and gentlemen for those that uh, maybe uh, I've, ne- I've never seen aiden aiden's massive uh, and he's the guy you would see at the, at the front of the, uh, the Vikings marching. Oh, I don't know if it'd be the Vikings. Imagine it'd be Romans or something. And, and no, it's, it's, it's been the Golden Viking drum. before. <laughs> and that's why I tell you what, I tell you what, what interests me. Like, so in Mad Max Fury Road, they chose to have a guitarist with that flavor. It's fucking boss. And I get, I get yeah. that. But I think, you know, there's probably, there's probably a, a drummer that could have done that as well. It's <laughs> yeah. huge fucking drum sound with like yeah, a, uh, you know, like a double bass going off. That'd be yeah. fucking brilliant. Two twenty-four inch bass drums attached to his <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you missed the trick. That that's going to be for the sequel. Like, uh, yeah, that's yeah. going to be. For that. Oh so yeah, you... I forgot to mention. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. Mad Max. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We, 
you can break it here now that that, that Aiden's <laughs> officially the next Mad Max movie. Like play a double bass. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so did you? Did you? What were the first things you were doing with the drums? Were you trying to carve a song out? Were you just trying to keep a beat? Were you just trying to hit it in um, a certain way? In it, in. I mean, I, I touched a drum set before I touched marching drums, and right. that happened. So when you're leaving primary school, you go and look around high schools and stuff like that. Hmm. We went we went into one of these when I was in Burnley, and we walked past the music room. There's a kit set up, and at that point, you know, I'd, I'd listened to Michael Jackson, probably heard a ton, a shit ton of, like, other 80s and early 90s bands. Hmm. Um, and I sat down at the kit, and I could sort of play a beat, just a basic sort of four-four rock beat, and I just—it yeah. felt like it, like just awakened something in me when I sat down. Yeah. Um, so then, that's where that's where drum sets start, sort 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 of started. Mm. But then the marching thing came along again when I moved to Morecambe. I'd been in one in Burnley, but it was only—I um, didn't really play the drums in it. It was more like a, a bugle, like an, a, a bugle with no valves. Um, and then when we moved to Morecambe, there was an opportunity to do some snare drumming. And then I ended up doing all different drums in that. We had like the single mm. snares, the marching bass drums, the marching toms. And I ended up just switching in between all these whilst progressing on a drum set too in the band that I joined. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of learned isn't, all... Isn't the way you kind drum. of like to build your fundamentals, about, I believe, as a drummer, is you work with like a drum pad at first and just kind of get... Yeah, yeah, yeah. things it's, down I mean, and those movements down and then you kind of go okay let's bring in a, a tom and let's bring in a snare and let's bring in a cymbal yeah. and what and you and he so you kind of were doing this already in various sorts mm -hmm. of marching things and then the kit must have seemed to you like oh okay well i know all the parts of those kits so yeah. i'm just going to pull it together now is that what you did when yeah. you did your audition did you just kind of play a four four well, it, was, it was a case of they were a covers band and we were all young lads we were all i was twitter was I 11 or 12? I think I might, might have been 12. Um, and there were, I, th I think the oldest one of us was 14. But we they were doing like Led Zeppelin covers, Bon Jovi, so like Sweet Child of Mine, Guns N' Roses. So they basically said, learn a few of these. And I, I've sort of got a knack of being able to listen to some of it two or three times. And I can probably play it back to you in a fashion, maybe not note perfect, but... Yeah. Um, that it's just always something I've been able to do, and then that's how it happened. Um, I, I literally have no other explanation than we bought a kit, I went, and uh, I just never stopped. <laughs> it's been, it all seems very natural, you know, to, it seemed like yeah. you're not forced at all. And so, no, you, no, no, you, 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 you must have the magic here. I talk to a lot of musicians who, who say that I can just hear something and I can pretty much give mm. you a, a very, a uh, fairly sort of accurate representation of that. It might have been spot on, yeah. but I can get pretty close. Because you've got really good ears from just listening to, listening I'd, to music. I'd like to think so. Yeah. I'd, so I'd then, like to think so. did, I mean, you, did you start playing live at this point? Or were you just practicing with them? Yeah, I don't know if you saw, because we're friends on Facebook, I don't know if you saw like two days ago, someone shared a picture from my first ever gig. And <laughs> no. I'm, I, I, yeah, mate, mate, it's slightly <laughs> embarrassing, but also epic. They all because, are. Yeah, man, I've got like a... A triple XL purple velvet shirt on, and I'm like, I'm talking. It's like it's like wearing a nightgown. I've got like I've got like black Danny DeVito sunglasses on, and a Neil Peart hat, and I'm like 12 years old. Yeah, find it, and if if you have anywhere where you can post pictures along with this, I will put this. 
it's uh, it's something to behold. I've got an obsession. So that band, that band was called the Bottlenecks. The Bottlenecks. Okay. Yeah, we were like as I say, we were kids uh, doing covers that were probably way beyond our time. Do you remember? Do you remember playing live then? Do you remember having an audience? Oh yeah, yeah. We we used to. I mean, by the time I was like probably 13, 14, we were doing. We went on like a thirty-day tour, doing covers. Yeah, mate, it's it's mental what we did, Um, and I think that was, in a sense, it's like a baptism. Although I'm not creating original music, we Mm. were we were playing in pubs where we were too young to be. Yeah. We were we were doing small tours, weekenders. We were getting booked for like um, big events and sort of weddings and things like that because all we did was play popular songs yeah. to, uh, I believe, a, a fairly good standard. Yeah. Because um, it was always and it, that band has sort of stayed in the local area in some fashion with different members for years. Yeah. Like I live across the road from the guitarist now, and we, you know we still speak to each other occasionally. It's it's one of those things that never died out and it's everyone's roots and the members of that band. Well, a few of us have gone on to like quite big things. That was, um, a, that was the, what you talk, talk about, like going to pubs and you, how old are you at this point? We're, we're talking 13, 14. Like that, yeah, that's, that's it. And a lot of like, certainly my first time in playing in front of an audience was, mm. I was like 14, 15 in a pub. Yeah. You're not meant to be that age yeah. in these places. And it was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to kind of grow up pretty quickly, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you'd see yeah. and you'd hear, you'd hear swearing and you'd see, see stuff that you maybe you, you, you shouldn't see and all that type of thing. And it was a real way of, you know, coaching you up very quickly. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're yeah. shit, um, ladies and gentlemen, if you play in a working man's uh, pub or a club and you're shit, you'll get fucking battered. You get bottled. You won't, yeah, you, <laughs> people just won't boo you and that's the end of it and you'll be all traumatised because you played a bad shit. People will pull you and they'll fucking they'll have, have a word with you. If you fuck their favourite yeah. song up, they will fucking it's see you. Right? And it's, it's, a very, it's one of the things that we've maybe lost now with musicians is going out mm. there and being in that really difficult environment where you, you, know, you have yeah. to get good and get good fucking quickly and on a regular yeah. sort of you know, occurrence as well. And we've lost yeah. that a little bit. I don't think um, fans now kind of seem to jump that stage where they have to kind of earn their rights and pay their dues. They kind of mm-hmm. move that stage a, a touch, haven't they? It does happen. I mean, you, you can't really name names, but you do see some bands, they just appear and then overnight mm. it's like, whoa, who the fuck are these? Yeah. But then you still got like, I know loads of bands and they're still playing what would be considered the shitty little venues, yeah. earning stripes that they've already earned. Mm. Um, I mean, I've been in bands myself that do that and we just play the same circuits and the same venues for years and yeah. don't really ever get anywhere, but you do it because you love doing it. Mm. And it can become that did. kind of, because it's called the circuit for a reason as it goes round and round, mm-hmm. is that, you know, it can be comfortable to get into that. You know, there's, you know, there's, there's sometimes like people have just resigned to the fact they'll be playing a covers band and that's not to downplay being a covers band because you have to be no. incredibly proficient to do that, to play stuff oh, like yeah. other people is, is a real talent. But that can yeah. sometimes, because you're doing that night in, night out, it can sometimes stop you doing original stuff and stop your own yeah. progression. So when did you start kind of wanting to write your own songs and wanting to write your own? So that was, again, that was in, in during the time in the bottlenecks. Obviously we were, we used to get paid as well, and you know we were earning a bit of money doing these these cover gigs, and we got to a stage where we were like, should we start experimenting with original stuff? Um, 
in our local area, there used to be, well, there still is a music shop. It's called Promenade Music. And they sort of ran their own independent label. Yeah. And they had a recording studio, which was of a fairly decent quality back then. We're talking like probably, uh, probably 1998, 1999. Mm. Um, so we went there, we, we, we wrote four or five songs they were really basic. I've still got a copy of the CD, which you will probably see a picture of on Facebook. <laughs> but, oh, mate, we were all wearing like, we had a manager, it was our guitarist dad. Right. And he basically said, you'll all look cool like wearing flame shirts and leather jackets <laughs> and bandanas. So <laughs> I, mean, I look like some kind of day release patient from from Affleck's Palace or something. Shout <laughs> 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 out to Affleck's Palace, amazing. Yeah, man, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I look like I've gone in there as a sort of straight-knit sort of normal guy and come yeah. out with everything that I shouldn't have bought. People, um, people forget that when, you, when you're learning to play an instrument and being in a band, it isn't just the music that's being shaped. No way. It's no. Your, everything. It's your hairstyle. It's your, mm-hmm. the clothes you wear. It's the words you say. It, everything gets mm-hmm. you kind of shaped when you're in a band by that. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah. part of, you know, as much as learning a cover is, um, you know, dressing up, ridiculously every now and again to kind of find out what works for you you know is yeah. it's a massive part of that so i can testify it... to the fact that leather jackets and bandanas did not work for me <laughs> <laughs> i've <laughs> tried that it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous <fine>. ridiculous <laughs> so when did you find when did you find it becoming particularly serious when you know you're earning money, you're doing some of those shows. But when, how far are we away from like passengers and that type of thing? How what what's oh, the pa- time frame? So that's we're talking a good passengers is literally within the last four years, four yeah. or five years. Yeah. Um. I mean, everything I'm doing now restarted when I restarted drums. Basically, um, yeah. I got to, I got to a stage where I'd seem to have been living with a kind of hidden illness for a long, long time. Right. Um, unknowingly, I had a child and everything through all this time, and I got really, really sick. Doctors used to say, oh, it's just anxiety and stuff, and then woke up just before I was 30, um, got rushed to hospital, find out I have Crohn's disease. Right. Uh, Basically, I had life-saving surgery, and once I'd repaired and got back to a, a state of health where I was comfortable, that want to play drums again, just like came back and everything you see in here now spawned from that moment. So yeah, it was a long, as I, as I was saying, just like at the start of this, when I, when I got to a stage where I was too ill and I, I couldn't play for whatever reason, mm. it lasted a good few years, mate. And, and it was like sort of dark period, Yeah. but I just forgot the love of it. Still listened to music and everything, but there was much, much um for, for, for those that aren't, going on. aren't aware of what what Crohn's disease is and stuff and and obviously you know you can look that up and find the details of it but mm-hmm. it's an it's it's a, it's a really tough thing to to have um it oh, really yeah. is um you know, the the effects on on your body are are, are quite quite massive and oh, yeah. someone, it's like a drummer which is a very you know um physical sort of physical exercise to perform as well it, it must have been you know, you you must have thought at some point that you might not be able to drum again. You oh know, yeah, that, mate. Maybe, yeah, was I, had to, I thought I was dead. I, and the only way I can kind of explain that to someone who doesn't play musical instruments, and it isn't, and that isn't so much a part of their lives, is imagine if you can't speak. Imagine if right mm. now 
you couldn't speak. Someone asked you how you were and you couldn't speak. Uh, someone asked your opinion on something and you couldn't speak. For mm -hmm. someone like Aiden, whose voice, as we've said, his voice was, was part of his drumming, taking that away is removing a massive piece of, of his jigsaw puzzle. Um, mm -hmm. I, you know, what, what in, those, in that sort of time frame that you had, like that, that four or so years, mm -hmm. how, how did you get through? Did you, because was it, was it, the obvious thing to think is I listened to music and it powered me through and it, it, and it inspired me. But I imagine there's also a part of you that was like, I don't want to hear the drums because I can't do the drums or I can't you know, make those sounds. Well, it started when, so it, it started not long after, you'll remember this, played London Tattoo Convention. Yes, I remember that, yeah. With a, with a tour bus and all that kind of yes, thing. Yes, Um So we were there and then soon after that, the band I was in them from the Ashes. Yeah. Uh, fizzled out fairly yeah. quickly for whatever reason. I don't really know what happened. It's mm. a long time ago. And then from there, it's kind of, that's kind of when I stopped playing. Mm. Um, I ended up having a child back then as well. Um, that came along. So loads of things just transpired over the next few years. It was probably about eight years, actually, all in all. Um, I had little bits here and there. I went back and had a couple of jams and just tried out playing with a few different musicians mm. and then after the the sort of crones event if we call it that yeah. um that love came back and i was having a birthday party like a celebration and i played i got up with like a cover band on my birthday yeah. played for the first time what did you play like, literally uh beat it by michael jackson oh, i love it <laughs> you know, it. Yeah. love it there was, there was a there was a band local band another covers band called hullabaloo yeah. I knew them all. I went to school with three of them. Um, so it was just cool. And like they, I asked them to play for my birthday and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Got up, did this song, finished. Everyone was like, oh, great, cool. I went outside and just cried my eyes out. Oh, nice. That's Honestly, amazing. it was like it was like an emotional like gate. Yeah. Went bang. Yeah. Because you, you from... thought, like, actually, I, I can still do it. Mm -hmm. And that opens up a whole world of options. So I can do it. I never, it, it didn't get lost. It might be a little rusty, but it didn't get lost. It, it didn't, mm -hmm. you know, I've still got a part of, of me that it hasn't been taken away. I love that it was, yeah. it was beating. That's so poetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's so poetic. <laughs> that's perfect. It started it all did and you, then restarted it all. Did that become part of, you know, wanting to play the drums again and, and getting back to that? Did you kind of look to, Physically as well, do you go, okay, I'm going to have to start, you know, taking care of myself and, and you know, making sure that, you know, that I mitigate the problems that, because am I right in thinking that Crohn's disease never fully leaves you? It's, it's something it, that, It'll never be cured. Yeah. Um, I think in, in the scheme and compared to other people that suffer with it, I am, I'm pretty lucky. Yeah. Um, obviously, I lived with it for a long time without knowing, yeah. but after I had surgery and stuff, I didn't, I didn't end up needing like a, a colostomy bag or anything like that. Right. And I'm currently not like on medication. So I'm, yeah. I'm fairly symptom free. Um, I have the odd day, a couple of days here and there. And if I get like a cold and stuff, it hits me a little bit harder than you probably mm. would expect, but I tend to be all right. Um, obviously I started going to a gym and stuff and trying to eat healthier and, just having a better routine day to day yeah, and it, it does help. Yeah, as best you yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. Um and obviously drumming in itself is is exercise, I guess. So yeah. It it, it helps. What um, was that um what was that first moment like when you sat down at the drums again when it's just you and the drums? 
mm-hmm. when you kind of played, you'd, you'd done the, the beat it song, so you must have gone, okay, I need to either pull the drums out of out of wherever they are, buy some, I, and you sat down with the drums again. Mm-hmm. What was your thoughts? Were you like, okay, where do I start again? Did you, did you immediately fall yeah, so, into something? So to get to that point, um, I didn't actually own anything at that time. Right. I'd already, we'd already started sort of pulling, passing, this is where passing just started. So mm-hmm. um, me and Neil, we started chatting and then there's our original, like second guitarist, Mike, we just, we were going, shall we like have a jam, start, sort of start a dad band because we all had kids, we hadn't played for a long time. <laughs> yeah, that was genuinely what it was. It, it, it started as a dad band. Yeah. Um, we started jamming. I was using a kit, just what that was in the local like rehearsal rooms that we used at the college. Yeah. Um, and that probably it was only a few weeks, and then I thought, do you know what? Probably need to buy a kit. So I bought one. I ended up, and at that point, I was I've always been like a tamer player, so I was like, I've got to have a tamer again. Yeah. Um, bought a dream tamer kit, great, and I was just like, this is it. So then before. Once I got the kit and then before we had another rehearsal, I went and set everything up and sort of plotted it out where I needed to be. Sure. Sat down and just let rip for like three hours by myself. Wow. And it was just, it, it's, it's hard cathartic. to describe how it feels. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it was cathartic. I, I, let lo- I let go of so many emotions. And, wow. Um, other, other things that happened during that time. I don't, I don't, so my, lo- my little brother died as well, like the right. year after my operation. Right. And that was all part and parcel of fueling, getting back to drumming and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was all very, um, it is like, like you say, cathartic, emotional release. Yeah. And then it, it, it's, it just adds fuel to the fire that has always been there. Yeah. It's like if, you know, like the, the analogy I give to someone who just didn't play an instrument is that it's like losing your voice. So the, can mm-hmm. you imagine then if you get that voice back, the first thing you want to do is <laughs> scream. The first thing you want oh, to yeah. do is shout as loud as you possibly can and you want to yeah. and that, that sort of you sitting down the drums probably got you you know that's 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 therapy that's like it's like uh, it's screen therapy you you, oh, yeah. you, got, you got a chance to release all these horrible things that had happened and these bad things that you happened and people forget as well about the the, the non-musicians can never understand that the healing power of throwing an amp up uh, on, on full volume and just thrashing it out, thrashing out on oh, the yeah. drums or just screaming yeah. a song is is yeah. incredibly therapeutic, incredibly therapeutic, mm-hmm. um, you know. And so we, then you've got that out. Did you think, right, now I want to start playing live again? Did, was, it, was it a quick move? Did you start to really scale um, quickly? Or? So we started, obviously, we, I was jamming and we were writing mm. things as, as passengers. Uh, we weren't a full band. So the next step, obviously, we looked at getting a bass player. D, who ended up playing bass, actually sort of worked in the rehearsal studios. He'd heard everything we'd been doing, so he'd sort of learnt it anyway. Yeah. Um, and then, so we got in, him in, started playing, and it, it gelled quite well. Then we needed a vocalist, and that, that ended up being Jed, who was a promoter. Uh, he used to work for work with, like, Raucous, yeah. um, up, up and down the Northwest and stuff like that. Uh, so then, then we had a band, and... Obviously, Jed's a promoter. He had a few contacts, so we ended up getting a gig um, at Rebellion. Yeah. Uh, that was our first show on the... It was like a 10-year anniversary show for Matt Defiled, um, which ended up being a pretty cool night. Yeah, yeah. So that was... For, it, for those it, that aren't aware, Passengers was very... I mean, how would we, how would we describe it? Um, 
it's tech metal. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it, uh, maybe maybe precarious and gents and stuff like that, and uh, yeah. you know, a little bit of that. But it was, it was kind of tacky. It was kind of like you know, uh, extreme you know, droney guitars. Yeah, yeah, it was very in your face and very kind of aggressive as well. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I've still got. I'll have to. I've got. I think I've got the CD uh, over there. I think I'll like one of them over there. But yeah, it's. Um, that must have been good to kind of do that as well. Like, you know, Martyr Defiled, superb, you know. And you, you were kind of like, did you, what was that first round of applause like or cheer after you played with them? What was that first like moment like? Did you think, I, I can do this and this is now? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? It's, it's once I've gotten used to drumming again, I don't, I don't want it to sound big-headed, but once I've gotten used to drumming again, yeah, I didn't, I've never really been nervous playing right. gigs because I've done so many from such a young age, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't I very rarely get those nerves where I'm I'm sort of worried about responses or mm. how I'll play because it, it just is what it is. Um yeah. sometimes you play a shit show, there's five people there and you don't get any response. Sometimes mm. you play the same show to five people and they love it. So yeah. It, it, it's part and parcel of it. You you take the, the good with the bad. Um, but for me, it was it's it's more about I'm less concerned with what is going on at the front of the stage of the people looking at us, rather than um, how I feel when I'm playing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. As, yeah. as much as I, as much as I do it to you know to help people have a good night, being yeah. be entertainment, it's it's very much just because I love doing it. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, yeah, and it, just by extension, people will people will enjoy that. Uh, there's nothing more enjoyable as an audience member to watch a band almost not realise the audience is watching and just act because yeah, yeah. they're all so involved in that that yeah. thing. They're almost yeah. not, you know, watch, I watched um, a very early Slipknot video a couple of days ago. This is before their first album. Um, they did, right. for those that don't know, like they did another album called um, uh, Mates. Mates yeah, yeah. And I watched some things of, sh- of shows they did before the kind of like the first album came out. And it was so obvious that they were kind of doing that for them, like collectively yeah. as, a, as a non-tet. They were, they were like, we're, we're just going to throw everything we can at this and egg each other on. And if the crowd enjoys yeah. it, that's great. You know, and that, that's why I totally, I totally understand that. Yeah, completely. Yeah. So how, how did we move? I mean, we're going to have to get Aiden on again because he's been in so many fantastic bands and done so much. <laughs> we haven't got enough time to come. I don't want to how, kind how of go through. This? <laughs> I don't think we've got like forty minutes or something now. Something like that. Like, give or take. Um, but so, how long do we go from passengers, and where do we go from then? To, to how how soon are we moving through? So, so passengers was my sole project for probably you know six or seven months or something, and it. it picked up pace really quickly like we got we got uh, sort of chosen to be in a public vote to go and play Wembley Arena for Progress Wrestling off the back of one single so yeah um, and then I don't know we, we didn't do it with an intention of being like oh we've got to get an album out we've got to do this we've got to do this we just did it at our pace we were being a dad band yeah. um, and we, we only ever to this date we've only ever released two singles as well <laughs> Uh, which is which is bad because we've got some stuff that could follow on with everything else. But so that that sort of progressed as it has. Faces of Janus ended up being released, and that's done really really well online. Like it's it's got quarter of a million streams and stuff like that. So 
Um, that's great. It's sort of inactive right now, right? Uh, due to like members leaving and yeah, being busy elsewhere. Next came Ascari, yes, which yeah. is the sort of grime, new metal, electronic experimental project that we're in. Yeah, um, it's fabulous. Yeah, it's 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 great. It's a great release, and it's it's one of those bands that keep me sort of well practiced because it's yeah it's quite it's not complex. just rock it's not just metal yeah it's 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 taken a quite a few sort of twists and turns it's 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 i wouldn't say difficult to listen to that's the wrong word but it's challenging in a good way um you know yeah. it's kind of you, you you very clearly have to keep on your toes to, to do the Ascari stuff like you know mm-hmm. it's very it's i suppose the lyrics and everything are very it's all very story driven because asher basically writes about his experiences in his life mm. uh, facing racism as a, as a black kid growing up in Britain, basically. Yeah, yeah. The music sort of just is built around it and we don't limit ourselves to saying we have to write a rock song. Oh, we, yeah, we play garage, yeah. play garage, play drum and bass, we play electric, we play metal, we play grime. It's, it's just an I experimental often, project. I often find that the drummers are the, seem to be kind of the most have the most affinity to switching over in different genres mm-hmm. they seem to be a little bit more welcoming i i find occasionally because it's because it, because it, it's rhythmic it's almost difficult to to kind of tie down sometimes and by that i mean like you know i think the first sort of things of kind of rap metal all the way back to like the 80s and stuff like that mm-hmm. was always very beastie boys uh yeah you know it's always kind of like beat orientated and it was the kind because a big fat beat for want of a better word is is just yeah, it's it's undeniable it's undeniable isn't it and so i think that's why drum and bass uh has you know has kind of lineage with 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 metal and tech metal and stuff like that and then you know you think about like the stuff that fear factory doing with with not just the manufacture but remanufacture with yeah, yeah. really kind of turning it around and, and and having that whole kind of drum and bass thing and, and, and loops and things like that and you know it always seems to be that the rhythm side of of metal is the more is the bigger highway that that, that go down mm-hmm. rather than guitarists or maybe vocalists. Yeah. It seems to be wide open. You know, think think about what Sepultura did with Roots and bringing in yeah a lot of the rhythm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To try, and it was all just I mean metal's very inclusive anyway. It's very embracing anyway. But yeah. from a rhythmic point of view, it seems to be doubly so. You know. Mm-hmm. That's sepulture is all it's tribal, isn't it? It's yeah. That is a heart that is a heartbeat in itself, just tribal exactly. drumming. Yeah. Yeah. Dr- drumming is I suppose the heartbeat of most bands. Most yeah. songs require drums just to keep them going. So if you if you want to pull a crowd in, you have to appeal to their absolute base sense of, of self. Yeah. That's why it's quite cl- primal in a sense. Yeah, that primal thing is the quickest way to to go straight to the core of someone, you know. And a drum, that's yeah. what you do. And a drum, a drummer's job is is totally to do that, you know. It's like yeah. you know, you think about the uh, the bump bump click of Queen is now you know that's that's not a that's not a rock <laughs> yeah. rhythm or a whatever rhythm. That's just a rhythm of uh, like a heartbeat. So yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the the Ascari yeah. stuff for me feels very much like that. Feels very much mm-hmm. experimental. Um, it feels very kind of like open as well. You must feel incredible freedom when you play with them as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, you've probably seen the. We did like a live, basically a live set. We filmed it. It wasn't a gig. We called it a not a gig. <laughs> uh, filmed it for the intent of releasing it as individual live tracks and then yeah. all at once, which ended up happening like towards the beginning of lockdown. 
Um, but you'll see on that that it's it's almost like a story from start to end, and we go through so many moods and genres. It's just yeah. it is, it's 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 a good release. It's a good it's a good practice tool, and it's it's a great bunch of lads as well, like who I, yeah. who I play with. Yeah, um, I can only lead to great material and great work. Then when oh, yeah, everybody's yeah. enjoying the challenge. So then we 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 kind of got to um, Prometheum. Prometheum. To, yeah. So how did that come about? So Prometheum. Dan, who's like the lead guitarist, I have known as probably as long as I've lived in, no, not quite that long. During the time in the bottlenecks, I met Dan, uh, ended up being in a band with Dan way back then called Kid Serial, which is probably needs a whole other story. <laughs> a whole other, yeah. Um, but then, so yeah, their drummer left, which was also like my best mate, Kev. Um, you probably heard, do you know what FYM Reacts is? Yeah. No, so he does. He did like um, YouTube reactions and stuff. Oh, right, okay. He yeah, old, sure. yeah, he was their old drummer. Um, they needed someone. I'm mates with them all. I've known them all a long time. Makes sense. Uh, so that was that was sort of that how that came about. Hmm. Um, it's metal. It's traditional sort of thrash. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty inspired thrashy, by yeah. the likes of Pantera. Yeah, there's a group kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's mega um, and stuff, and yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some great stuff. Uh, Dan's very that's, much... a, that's a whole other challenge as well, then, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, all the triplets and stuff. and, and you know, they, A they, lot more sort of double bass drumming. Yeah, yeah. Speedy. Um, so then... But that, that appeals to that side of me as well, as well so... Yeah. It's good. <laughs> it's, it, it sounds like, you know, you, you've really let your heart decide sometimes which way... And what what sort of music you you want to play, and and that comes mm-hmm. across, I think, when when anybody ever anybody does anything of that nature, if they do something that because, like you say, because I, I straight up enjoy it, it always comes through. Um, it always yeah, comes oh, yeah, through. Yeah. That's everything that you've. I always keep a good eye on what you're doing because it's always of a really interesting quality, and I think interesting Thanks, is, is 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 really what every musician should go for. But it should always mm-hmm. be based in something you enjoy. So then. I don't want to move through too quickly, but we're up to no, Blanket now. And yeah, I didn't know too much about Blanket. Um, so, I, you know, I was having a listen uh, last week, I think, just to some of the, the stuff that was going on there. Uh, and it's mm. fabulous. It's it's really, yeah. um, it's it's massive. It's, it's there's, yeah. there's elements of, you know, that whole sort of shoegaze thing going on yeah. and then these the sort of deftones landscape type of things. And, and it's, it, I yeah. thought it was fabulous. So what, how did how did blanket come about then? So again, that it, it sort of stems from the need for a drummer, but also like old acquaintances, um, older bands from when I was younger. I was in like a, I suppose it's it's in the realms of grindcore, stroke mathcore. Yeah, um, there's a bit of so, core in there. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, back in the day, I was in a oh, band right. that is of those genres um, called All Cat Row, and we always used to play with a band called When People Become Numbers, who is the lead guitarist from Blanket's old band. Right. So we've known each other probably 15 years now. Um, but again, old acquaintances formed this new thing. Sure. Um, they needed a drummer potentially for a tour, which didn't happen in the end. But then uh, I think it got to like end of April in lockdown and their existing drummer was going. So we started talking again, and it literally happened through the entirety of lockdown. Um, right. We've written we've written tracks together now. We've 
got plans in place. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm a, like a full-time member of the band now. So sure. it's exciting. We've got, we've, we've got a lot of stuff happening. Um, and it, it's great to be a part of a project that isn't just creative musically. We're doing all sorts of visual stuff. Um, yeah, certainly the visuals are seen. We're, we're really, really interested mm. in different ways of kind of showing a band. You know, I thought, I thought it was yeah. really interesting. Um, the, and the, the existing stuff they've got out is, is very, very cinematic. Um, mm. they, they, fil- they film stuff in cinemas as a soundtrack to videos that Bobby shot himself. Yeah. Um, and we we will continue to do that sort of elements of stuff, but the new stuff we've written is is taking a slight shift. Um, we're all obviously, as you said, it's we're, we're in the shoegaze realms. We we love Deftones, mm. we love progressive music, we love cinematic scores and all that sort of stuff. So there there are elements of it all, um, and we're all sort of from different backgrounds. So it's it's few again. It's fusing it all. And it's creating something that I hope it's, it's going to be cool for everyone to listen to. So, um, for, for those yeah. that don't know, uh, ladies and gentlemen, a- Aiden may be, may be the exact type of musician that you, that you want if you're looking for a, 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 someone in your band as a full time member. So, yeah. Aiden's very much a session musician. He'll play whatever you want and play it really, really well and probably put a whole load of stuff on it that you didn't think of. But he'll also. Yeah bring himself to the stuff like so you're Aiden's the guy they bring in if they want a new drummer for corn or if they want a new drummer in whatever Aiden <laughs> yeah. will bring in because he's super nice and just gets the job job done it was it was it a different challenge with blankets coming in with previous sorts of music and previous sorts yeah, of things been wrote and then bringing your aspect into it obviously every every drummer has their own style and their own techniques and their own little flim flams here and there so I originally, when they were talking about getting me in to be a touring drummer, when they were having, there was, there was a bit of an issue with one of the, the, the old drummer and, and yeah. some dates. So it was initially going to be a tour. So I learned all the existing material. I, I like played it every day for like three weeks because that's how much notice I had. Yeah. Um, didn't materialize in the end, but we stayed in touch, kept speaking. Obviously, they kept me updated on how things were going. Um, and then when it came to actually joining, they'd got, a bunch of new songs sort of plotted out. Um, they'd rustled some drums together just by programming them in. Um, so I said, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll try and follow your lead, but I'd like to put my own touch on it. And that was all done during lockdown on an electric kit that is sort of saved my life during lockdown. Sure, sure. <laughs> Can play acoustic drums. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I've, I've we, we've literally written it during lockdown. Um, so it's we're getting to that stage now where we're preparing to go to a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got something else previous to that happening. Uh, we don't have an actual release date or anything yet, but you'll see that we're we're asking people to get involved with a, a like a collaborative photo project that we've got that's going right. on, which is going to accompany a new release that's going to hopefully be out um, in the next month or so. Um, fingers crossed. So that's happening and then we can sort of draw a line under the old blanket, if you will, and start with blanket 2.0, which is, it's exciting because it's, we've signed with Sony and music for nations again. Um, So that's a big platform to do what we want to do. 
Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's exciting for me because I've never worked in that capacity yet. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always, it's always been smaller sort of independent bands, but this is, this is just different scale altogether. Yeah. Um, Nations, you know, what a, what a fabulous history they've got and a, and uh-huh. a fabulous record pun intended of, yeah. of some, some absolutely superb uh, artists, you know, so that'll be interesting as well, you know, because obviously things will, will, will be on a bigger scale, you know, everything from social yeah. media to, to yeah. tours and, and what have you. Do you remember the last yeah. time you played live, Aiden? Do you remember? Uh, I think it will have been the Ascari live set that we did. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, no. We did a tour at the end of February. Right. Uh, about five dates. Um, played like Huddersfield, Northampton, our hometown, uh, hometown, should I say. It was Blackpool and Lancaster. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was – it was the last weekend in February. Um, wow. So it's been – it's been a long time playing in front of an audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is is fifty percent of it all. <laughs> it, is, it totally is. It's a massive it totally hole. Is. Yeah. It's a massive hole, and the the way things are, there's you know there's not going to be any guaranteed dates when things can go back to normal. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot a lot of it is. Everyone's sort of on a, on a string. They're just dangling it in front of us. All these venues are the pieces mm. of cheese we want, and it's just not. There's just no. I don't know. It's it's hard to say. There's no end in sight, but it kind of feels like that sometimes. Only, only, only. Literally, you are done with twenty minutes before we got on the, the call. Now, uh, I heard that the the Almer Inn in Bolton's closed. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's closed. Yeah, yeah. it's another I absolutely one. Absolutely gutted. I, you know, and mm-hmm. and you think to, I always played many myself, times there. Yeah, I, I, you know. I, I can't tell you how many shows I've been to at the, at the Armour. It was like my yeah. out of town second home, you know. And <laughs> and just to hear that that's close. And I always think to myself, what what can I do? What could I what could I have done about that to make sure? And the truth of the matter is that we you, we might not have been exactly able to do anything about it. And that's no, what's, no, I don't think there's so. a helplessness to it now, where you're like, fuck. When this if there is a normal when it returns, well, these venues aren't going to exist anymore. You know, they're not even no, no, you know, to save. There's like a degree of control we've lost over it all. I don't know whether mm. it's government's fault, whether it's ignorant ignorant people's fault, whether it's the virus's fault, but there's, I, there's I, a large... Listen, I, I 100% think it's the government's and, and I think it's an ignorance thing of like the arts always suffers. It, it always suffers, yeah. uh, be it in schools when they're teaching about music uh, to, to venues and the support councils get it. Just the, the arts you know, always gets the shaft. It always gets the, the, yeah. the, it's always considered the least important. And in reality, it's the most important, you know. Oh yeah. It's from, a massive industry. And it? it's, yeah. Yeah. You know, you think of all the people that work with it behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. It's massive. You know, your yeah. local arena employs, you know, 20,000 people doing various <laughs> kinds of things. And if this is what they do. Your local venue employs 20, 30 people all the time doing stuff, be it bar yeah. staff or whatever. This, there's a whole economy, but all over yeah, yeah, over yeah. that, you know, what what happens to everybody when when the lockdown hits? They go back and they start listening to albums, you know, watching mm-hmm. movies. They, they they take art in. If that's yeah. not getting created, that's a that's a real problem, you know. Um, yeah, it is. It is. And it's a difficult time, you know. It's a difficult time to see. I mean, take someone like yourself that you know, it, it's imperative that they make a noise. It's imperative that you play something. Yeah. 
it was imperative to your rehabilitation and your sanity that you you had that yeah. and, and now these things aren't being allowed you know the average kid is you know wants to you know start a band can't do that now and that was an escape mm-hmm. route out of poverty and out of difficult times he's it, not there anymore it's a really no, no, dark it's... sort of sense about it and and, and I don't see it, like you said, I don't see an actual solution in sight. Uh, obviously, there's, there's there's numerous things that are happening that can that can help, but it's it's a really interesting and difficult time. And across the entire globe, not just the UK, it seems to yeah. seems to be hitting t- particularly difficult here. Um, yeah. Did you find I mean, yourself I mean, then with with like blankets having to go? Okay, we're going to have to reset somewhat here, and we're going to have to go. Okay, let's let's change how we're putting ourselves out there and. Was there was there um, a conversation? To a degree, I think there's, there's obviously some stuff kind of dictated by the timeline of the album cycles and stuff like mm. that. So uh, at present, it's sort of tail end of the the last album, How to Let Go. Um, so things are fairly quiet. But as we're starting for this next sort of interim release before a new album comes out, mm. um, social media and all that sort of stuff has picked back up. With regards to the sort of playing side of it, we wrote the albums, like, as I say, I was in my bedroom on an electric kit. Mm. They were in their bedrooms with the guitars and stuff. Um, it got to a stage where we've, we were sort of gunning towards going to the studio. We've got the okay to go and do it. So we have to go to rehearsal rooms, um, which we end up doing in Blackpool. Um, so we've been fortunate enough to be able to actually play again in a room together and I know there's a massive majority that aren't still doing that because social distancing, their mm. you know their own caution and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, we are careful, you know, and we, we we follow the rules. So hopefully things can just ease off a little bit more in that respect, and you know, try and set our eyes on gigs some point next year, maybe. I, I, I don't know. I- now we're now they're, they're, they're what, not existing. <laughs> they're, they're a massive part of my life. Like you know, two or yeah, three man, gigs yeah. a weekend, I would go and see yeah. bands, and it's like, and it fueled a whole load of things. I would meet people, I would get albums, I would get connections to do other things, I would get tours, yeah. I would do, and, and it's all gone. I, 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 and there is a massive hole in in my life that that, 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 that took mm-hmm. that up. Like you know, it's it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's 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 crazy. And well, well listen, we could talk. To, to Aiden, we will. We'll get it, ladies and gentlemen. Should we get Aiden back on the show? Yeah, most definitely, we should do. There's a yes, wonderful please. thing that exists. <laughs> the wonderful thing that exists, <laughs> but with drummers, that the fucking heavier and the most insane they are, a drumming. Yeah, the nicer they are. It's not like the case of he's, he's a wild man. Don't go near him. He's a wild man drummer. No, 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 no. All the fucking crazy ones and the insanely heavy ones. Yeah, are all super nice guys. And by that I'll measure. I'll tell you why. All the emotion comes out on the drums. You get it all out, yeah. There's no one, no one having a fight after they play the drums. No way, no way, no way. Ladies and gentlemen, how nice a bit to sit down with Aiden Baldwin. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Appreciate no it. No worries, man. Cheers for having me. Cheers for having me. And that was Aiden Baldwin. Did you enjoy that, ladies and gentlemen? And I, It was just good to catch up with, with an old friend more than anything else, but his story, I think, is really interesting. I think it was a lot of... Uh, you could get a lot from that. I, I hope you did. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you made it laugh. I hope you made you think a little bit. And if you know, if you made, made you go back to an instrument that you maybe hadn't considered, you know, uh, you you'd given up on maybe or haven't even tried at all. I can't I can't extol the virtues of learning to play an instrument and then playing music. How uh, how much it can help you. 
your mental well-being, your physical well-being, and, and, and everything sort of connected with that there. I think the uh, Aiden's, Aiden's a perfect example of just a great drummer as well. And, and as I said at the, the, at the head of this whole thing, you need to check out, the, especially the new stuff he's doing with Blanket, which is absolutely superb. And I'll put, once again, I'll put links on the, uh, on the podcast when this goes up. Uh, the next guest um, is a really good one. It's nice to be able to say who the next guest is at the end of each show. The next guest is uh, Paul McMonnies, or Squatter, as everybody knows. It's been a long time waiting to get Squatter on the show. Uh, the voice of Bloodstock Radio, um, a hugely important person in the metal community, and it's it's going to be really great to sit down and have a chat with him, and that's coming up on, on, on the next episode. Until then, as always, and we've got to keep holding on to this, as always, we'll see you next